across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Okay, Rockstar Nation, this is Pat Hyben, and we have a great show today. I have Stefan Arneo on the line, and Stefan was introduced to me from Haas Pratt, and it looks like they do business together, and, and Haas, as you know, has been on the show many times, and he's a brilliant mind in real estate, and Stefan is the same out in Canada, and he is killing it, and he's got some great books out. He's he's doing a lot of things real estate related, and I had to get him on the show, so without further ado, Stefan, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Thank you for having me, Pat. So why don't you tell our rock star audience about yourself, Stefan, so they can get to know you better. All right, great. Well, thank you, Pat. I started out uh, in real estate when I was 22 years old uh, with $1,200. And within six years, I had uh, become a self-made millionaire through flipping real estate, uh, joint ventures, and mainly business. And along the way, you know, I learned all about raising money. I learned about buying and selling properties. And I started winning awards, uh, you know, last year, sorry, I guess it's two years ago now, 2014, I won Rich Dad International Hall of Fame, which is a very rare award. Uh, They give out six every year in North America, and I got the one for Canada. And uh, because I've won some awards, you know, people have asked me to write books, people have asked me to speak on their stages, and I've had people asking for mentoring and and training. So, you know, we do buy, fix, sell, flips in my company, and we've also started to get into books and training because... That's the natural progression of things. That's incredible. Now, you know, I got the opportunity to have dinner with Robert Kiyosaki last year, and I listen to his podcast uh, regularly. So tell us, how does somebody become a rich dad honoree, uh, only six a year? Tell me about that. Well, it's a good question, Pat. There's uh, a program, Rich Dad Education. They do financial education seminars. So it's a pretty high-end program. They teach people everything from you know, wholesaling to flipping houses to rental properties. And there's 3,000 people every year that take the program. And I think the tuition is around $30,000 or so. So out of the people who take the program, I signed up years ago, out of the people who take the program, they look at some of their success stories. And I guess they pick six people in North America who actually apply the things that they teach. And it's, it's a great honor to be in there because there's people who've done, you know, multi-million dollars of real estate and become multi-millionaires. And um, I got in there, I think, basically because I was a guy who had a great story. I was a guy from Canada. It's very rare to see people in Canada doing well in, in buy, fix, sell real estate. And really, really big honor because I got into real estate from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the whole thing went full circle when they gave me the award in 2014. Okay, so take us back to the beginning then. So when did you buy your first flipper? My first property I ever bought, Pat, was a a little two-bed, one-bath house in Winnipeg, Manitoba in 2009. I think it was in November. And I ended up buying it. I went in on it with six, well, six six guys I met at a seminar. We all went in $1,200 each. And we bought a little rental house. And, you know, within three months, the house was smashed up and wrecked because none of us knew what we were doing. 
And, uh, you know, I, I held on that house for five years and, and we sold it. I think we bought it for $115,000 in 2009. We sold it for $170,000 five years later. So you know, that was my very first deal. And since then, I've done uh, tons and tons of deals. I don't even know how many deals I've done to date. So, okay, so 1200 bucks is all you needed. And that's one of the things you like to talk about is how to do deals with very little money. And the skeptic out there would say, hey, you know, you know, you really should be doing a better loan to value than 1200 bucks or, or say $6,000 or whatever there. Tell me your opinion and, and how you've successfully bought, sold and flipped, rented real estate with very little cash. Well, the truth is, Pat, there's always somebody's money going in. It's just not mine. One, one thing that I learned very early on is I went and worked for a private equity firm and I learned how to raise money. So all my deals, you know, the, the deals that I've done in the past three, four years, we've done them all cash. It's just somebody else's cash. So I've never put any money besides that $1,200 into real estate in my whole life. All the other money I've put in has been OPM, other people's money. Because there's more money out there, literally trillions and trillions of dollars, looking for deals every day. And I've learned how to find that money, talk to that money, and work with that money to get that money to buy the real estate so I don't have to. Okay, so let's help out our listeners here and give them some meat and potatoes. Let's say, uh, Stefan, that you're looking for money to, let's say you're just starting out and you're looking for money to to buy a flipper and you're calling me and you know I've got uh, some money in the bank. Can you uh, role play that with me? Sure. I mean, the question is, Pat, how well do I know you? Let's say I'm a friend of a friend and we've met once. Okay. Well, you know, I'd give you a call and I'd say, hey, Pat, Stefan Arniel calling. Hey, Stefan. Hey, good, good to hear from you, Pat. You know, I, I know it's been a while since we spoke, and you know, you probably aren't interested. But do you know of anybody who'd be interested in making ten to twelve percent on their money, secured by real estate, in a six to nine month term? You know, I, I know several people, but tell me some more details. Okay, well, Pat, I'm looking to uh, buy, fix, and sell some real estate now. Right now, I'm down in Dallas, actually, Dallas, Texas, and I've got a couple deals that are coming in in the next couple weeks. And what we're going to do is we're going to buy the real estate at forty to sixty cents on the dollar. We're going to renovate it to about seventy cents on the dollar. We're going to sell at a hundred cents. And I'm looking to partner with someone like yourself and uh, pay you ten to twelve percent on your money. I'm going to handle all the work. I'm going to go out there, buy it, fix it, sell it. I'll get everything done. And all you have to do is sit back and collect your interest payments. Would you be interested in something like that? Well, I might be if we split the profits rather than you paying me 10%. Okay. Well, you know, we can definitely talk about that, Pat. I've got to call about, you know, I got about six to 12 more people to call. If you'd like to do the, the rate right now, we can do that. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to make some other calls. So at this point, Pat, you know, if, depending on my situation, I could split the profits with you or I could take the interest rate. In my business, traditionally, I've done a lot of splitting because I do a high volume of deals. You know, right now, I'd like to take the rate because I think the rate's a better deal. Now, in fact, I think the rate's a better deal altogether because here's the thing, Pat. Let's, let's talk about the rate versus the split. So, Pat, here's a question. I like you and you like me, but would you rather get paid first on this deal or get paid second? First. First. Yeah. Obviously, I like to get paid first. And I mean, we're friends and like each other. But at the end of the day, if you take the rate, you're getting paid a preferred rate, which is first. And if we split it, if I happen to not do well or if I screw something up, you're probably not going to be that happy to split a smaller number. So would you like to take the rate or would you like to take the split? 
Right, right. I get it. So that's good stuff. I'm, I mean, so you're in Dallas now, and that's what you're doing. So did you move from Canada to Dallas? Or are you just going to Dallas because you feel that that's where the good numbers are? Well, I'm from I'm from Winnipeg traditionally, and my base is in Winnipeg, which is directly north of Dallas. Now, I'm down in Dallas right now because I decided it's time to expand uh, all my businesses, uh, the main one being buy, fix, sell real estate. Dallas happens to be a very hot market right now, a little too hot for my taste, but te- Texas as a whole has great fundamentals, and they've got the same population as Canada roughly. And, you know, in in Dallas alone, it's crazy. They have over 10,000 people moving to Dallas every month. Whereas in Winnipeg, where I'm from, we have 10,000 people a year moving to Winnipeg. So I'm down here to expand the business, grow the business and start doing deals in America. And I, I love I love how you guys do deals in America because it's a lot easier and there's a lot more money available. And the homes are also easier to rehab than the 100 year old homes I've been doing in Winnipeg. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've I've noticed that in some of the cities there, and and talking with some of the other uh, flippers, we had a fellow by the name of Daniel Goodfellow on, and Ned, and they're they're doing some flips in Toronto, and they're dealing with the same thing. Very very old properties. Yeah, it's it, there's two things that are rough about Canada. One is the properties are insanely old. You know, if you go on my YouTube channel, I flipped a house that had 120 cats in it, and it was from 1902. And that house uh, was over 2,000 square feet, which in Canada, you know, the square footage typically has a full basement attached to it. So it's, you know, even larger. And that property, you know, there's a lot of gut jobs. There's a lot of really difficult things you have to deal with. Oil tanks, lead pipes. You got to deal with asbestos. You got to deal with mold. You got to deal with lath and plaster, Mm. uh, knob and tube wiring, all these things that they don't have in construction that's after 1940, 1950. So what are you looking for now in Dallas? Uh, well, good question. Yesterday, I filled out a spreadsheet here. There's about 50 properties I'm going to make offers on. By the end of today, hopefully I have 100. And I'm looking for spread. So, you know, I was looking in uh, Fort Worth. I was looking in Arlington. I was looking in Dallas. I was looking in Irvine, all these different places. And I'm just looking for spread. So I'm combing the market. Right now, I'm doing the MLS uh, as I get more set up and have a, a, a permanent base here, we'll be doing direct mail, we'll be doing signs, we'll be doing all the all the campaigns that investors do when they get more advanced. And then do you simply use Zillow to price the house or use the Zestimate and the tax record that's available and then just make an extremely low offer via email to the listing agent? How, how do you scale making 100 offers that fast with without spending hours and hours doing a CMA on each one and filling out a contract on each one? What's your system? Well, here, here's what we're doing today. I'll just tell you what we're doing today, Pat. What we're doing is I'm combing through the market and I'm finding, you know, garbage. I'm finding the stuff that's screwed up. It's the cheapest house in the area. And I'm just combing through every area that's close to Dallas that, you know, isn't too ghetto and isn't too luxury. Mm-hmm. And I'm filling up these homes on a spreadsheet and then I'm putting down um, the stats of what I think I would like to pay for it versus the Based asking on what? price. Based on, you know, just human nature and psychology, you know, for example, here's, here's a perfect example in Winnipeg and in many markets, you can expect to get a 3% discount on a property. 
just human nature. If somebody's asking yep. $200,000 for a property, you can expect to get one ninety four. Once you it's know, some, Once it's priced at its value of what it's worth. Right. You know, human nature, people just want the because discount. They don't have any right. idea Not the why. day so, one to the finish line discount, but the discount of when it's finally priced accurately, 3% off. Exactly. So that's just, that's human nature. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm just filling up this spreadsheet and it's truly a volume game because I'm going to send out a hundred offers. Now I'm going to get an agent to go and actually pull the CMA. So it's going to be a lot of work for somebody. And Truthfully, it's going to take me probably two days because I'm new to the market here to fill up this spreadsheet on my end. So you're going to find agents that are willing to go out and tell you what these houses are worth, and you're going to have, you're going to have faith in them, and then they're going to say, "Hey, it's worth you know." Let's say you ha- you're looking at a house that's for easy numbers, it's a hundred grand. The agent's yep. going to email you back and say, "Stefan, it's worth every bit of a hundred grand." Yeah. And then what are you going to offer? Well, here's how I'm doing it. So I'm I'm filling up the spreadsheet, and and it's all about dollars per square foot. You know, in in the Dallas mm. Fort Worth area, we're looking at most homes are about a hundred dollars a square foot. Roughly. Okay, yeah, I like that. Okay, so that's an easy that's, way to do it. So that's roughly a hundred dollars a square foot. Now that's that's retail. The the properties I have on the spreadsheet are priced anywhere in thirty to fifty dollars a square foot. So these homes are, you know, some of them are screwed up. There's some HUD homes. There's foreclosures. There's some pre foreclosures there. And I need to buy at 40 to 60 cents of the final value. So I'll probably be paying 40 to 60 dollars a square foot for the home. And then what I'm going to do, the process from here is I have a young, hungry agent. He doesn't have a lot to do. I'm going to send these to him. He's going to do the CMAs. It's going to take him probably half a day or a day. And then we're going to get on the phone or he's going to get on the phone and he's going to make verbal offers first and we'll get all the counters. You know, we'll talk to the agents. We'll get some verbal counters. And then the ones that actually want to play ball, probably 10% or 20% of the homes will be the ones that we're actually going to negotiate and go in and see and actually do the real work and the real comps. So, so it's a, so it's a mass negotiation. Yeah, massively. When we did our script, you said, hey, you're getting them a 30% on the dollar. Fix them up Four, to 70. 40 to 60. 40, 40 to 60. Range. Fix them up yeah. to 70. Sell them at 100. So how are you getting 40 to 60, right? The house is worth every bit of 100 you make an offer of 50, right? I mean, in a hot market, is it realistic to think that the seller's going to say, yeah, I'll take it? Well, it's, you know, real estate's an irrational game. It's like fine art. You know, people pay whatever for fine art, and it's the same with real estate. And people sell every day because they have to sell. Now, out of, that's why I'm doing 100 offers, Pat. There's going to be 5, 10, 20 people in that bundle that are in some sort of trouble. And humans are interesting. Human, I say real estate's a human nature business. That's why it's the same everywhere. You know, you can have a seller who's really tough today. Let's say his house is it's worth 100. Well, I'm not probably not going to offer 50 on 100. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to target the guy that maybe at 60 on 100. And maybe I'll offer him, you know, 50. Or maybe I'll offer him 45 or 52 or something like that. And in that kind of spread, there's going to be a guy who has to sell today. You know, maybe he's on to his last mortgage payment, or maybe he's paid off and it's free and clear, or maybe he's a guy who inherited the home from his dead mother or dead father, and it's it's just all cash money to him anyways. Mm, So I typically like to locate people with problems, and then, you know, they either have problems or they're in some sort of situation that my offer is attractive and, in fact, a service for them. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. So, so how many houses would you say you have bought, sold and flipped under this model? 
Well, when the Rich Dad company audited me, we had done over a hundred deals. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's what that's what my lawyer sent off to them. So there's over a hundred hundred deals done. Now I don't know how many it is today. I don't really keep track over a hundred. Yeah, well that's that's <laughs> that's that's serious business there. Over a hundred. I mean, so so you're a pro, obviously. So how has the dollar versus the Canadian dollar, with what's going on with that, how it's how it's plummeted, affected what you do in Canada or affected what you do in Dallas? Uh, talk a little bit about that as a so a third grader can understand for those who don't know what's going on there. Well, that, that's a very complex question, Pat. And you know, Canada is a commodity-based economy. So oil is one of the major economies that Canada exports. Right now, oil is down quite low, you know, $40, $50 a barrel, and it's probably going to go down to 20 So when oil is weak, steel is weak, lots of commodities right now are cheap and weak. So when those commodities are weak, the Canadian dollar goes down. Now, we're down to, I think, 70 cents. Uh, I'm paying a 40% premium on everything in the state. So I'm trying to spend very little money down here. I'm trying to just really you know, bootstrap things because I don't like paying 40% premium. I don't think anybody does. Um, as far as investing in Dallas goes, though, I'm going to be drumming up mostly Dallas investors uh, to invest locally because investors love local investments. And the other thing that I'm going to do with my Canadians that I bring over the border is we're going to probably get them to borrow us dollars so there's no currency risk yeah yeah and as long as you keep the money here and make the money here i get and spend the money here it doesn't have an effect so when you bring your canadian money over to buy that's when you have an issue because you bring a hundred grand over and what it used to be worth a hundred us now it's only worth about 70 right right so this is this is what i'm gonna do with my canadian investors is a lot of them own property and have collateral. I'm going to get them to borrow U.S. lines of credit on their Canadian properties, and then it doesn't matter because they'll be investing U.S. and collecting U.S. Now, if they want to cash their U.S. earnings out and collect a 40% premium, that's nice. But you know, in 2009, when I started out in this business, I also had a debt-buying business where I bought charged-off credit cards and outsourced them to collection agencies from the 2008 downturn. And that business, it was the same problem. We had Canadian dollars, Canadian investors, and we were buying U.S. assets and collecting in U.S. And what we ended up doing was we went to the bank and got a U.S. line of credit that allowed us to borrow U.S. dollars on Canadian property. We invested in U.S. and we collected in U.S. And the whole thing worked perfectly because we didn't have to hide the currency risk. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's pretty elaborate. <laughs> So, so let's talk a little bit about your books. Now, uh, you've written a couple of books, right? Yeah, I've written two books, and I'm working on a third one right now. Okay, so what's the premise of your latest book? It, it has to do with getting rich while you're still young. <laughs> yeah, well, it's called Self-Made, and it's Confessions of a 20-something Self-Made Millionaire. Now, I'm 29 and a half, so I'm holding on to my 20s as hard <laughs> as I can. You know, I've got white knuckles. I'm just squeezing it. And um, the book's about the five secrets that transform ordinary people into self-made millionaires. And the book is very much a storybook. I had to write it twice. I wrote it once and threw it in the trash. And then I wrote it again as a story. So when people read it, they typically read it in a day or half a day. And it's my story of starting out as a, a guitar teacher and a kid who's you know, 16 years old and wants to be a rock star. And it goes all the way to the point where I'm raising millions of dollars and just about to do a lot of flips. 
And people always ask me, they always say, hey, how is it that you started with $1,200 and now you're controlling millions of dollars of cash and doing all these deals? And you have books and there's talk of a TV show and you're touring and you're doing all these things. How did that happen? And Self Made is the book that highlights everything from me being broke up to meeting my mentor and learning the proper business model. So it's the transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick, why don't you give me the give, give me a rundown of of cuz everyone wants to know now obviously what are the five steps to getting rich obviously in in a in let's say a decade of time whether you're going 20 to 30, 30 to 40 or 40 or 70 to 80, it doesn't matter, I'm sure. I would hope, right? Otherwise your audience for your book is going to be that much uh, limited. So what are the five steps? Yeah, the five steps, well, it, it's very interesting because these steps are steps that my mentor showed me years ago. And every business, whether it's real estate or another business, goes to the five steps. And the first step is you must become a killer marketer. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be in real estate, if you want to be making money, the first type of business you need to learn is how to be a great marketer. And so in real estate, if I relate it to real estate investing, that would be being a bird dog or a guy who just buys and sells leads. So, you know, maybe you're a guy who, who collects leads from signs or maybe you're a guy who does leads online and sells leads. I teach my students how to buy and sell real estate leads because real estate's a business where the leads are worth about $100 a piece. Anywhere from $20 to $100 a piece, someone's willing to pay for those leads. Right. So the first iteration of business you must learn is how to be a marketer. All right. That's once, one. One, once you're good at being a marketer, now here's the, here's the crazy thing, Pat. You could stay at that level forever. If you look at a business like Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, he's just a marketer, man. He's got that business. It's a marketing business. They're just selling leads all day long, and they never went to the other four steps. The second step is you add on the next skill, which is negotiation. So the next one is you must become a great negotiator. So if you want to add, now you've got leads. If you add some negotiating in there, suddenly you turn into a wholesaler or a guy who gets leads, and you negotiate the contracts on these homes, and you can turn around and sell these homes for a $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 markup. And you just added one extra skill and suddenly you're making 10 times more money. So once you get past the second step, which is negotiating, then you get to the third skill, which is production. And in the real estate business, that's buy, fix, sell. So now you learn how to finance the homes and get them fixed up. If you're in another business, you know, let's say you're in the, the pizza business, now suddenly you've got a pizza oven and you're making pizzas. And that's what's interesting about the, the steps of business here is the third step is typically where people jump in. They just jump in and say, I love baking cakes, so I'm just going to start baking cakes in my, in my kitchen. And then suddenly they've got a kitchen full of cakes, and they don't know how to market the cakes, and they don't know how to sell the cakes. And that's where people fail in this entrepreneurship thing. They jump in at step three or step four. Step four is we get into cash flow, cash flowing assets. Once your business gets a little bigger and a little stronger, you can start holding properties and have buy and hold properties. And that's where you add in the ability to see trends. And then the fifth step, the final step, is to become a capitalist. And that's where you raise money and you just make money with money. And that's really the stage I'm at where I'm a capitalist. I raise capital. I do deals. And I run multiple businesses. And I'm actually in the lending game too. You know, I raise money for my deals, but I also do lending for other people, which is a really interesting game. And you know, when I have a son or daughter one day, I'm going to say, when you grow up, you want to be a hard money lender because that's the best game around. 
Wow, that's that's good. So so do you think the hard money business is going to last? I mean, do you and do you think the flipping business? This is a great question. Do you think the flipping business is going to last and the hard money business is going to last because 10 years ago nobody was doing. Very very few people were doing. Well, I would say 15 years ago it was hard to find anybody flipping for about probably a 15 year time frame and then all of a sudden we did a lot of flips when the market kept going up, people were doing flips before they even had a chance to fix them up. They were doing flips without really fixing. Now they're doing flips with fixing with the foreclosures and the short sales and the, and the so many houses out there that sit empty that need to be fixed up. Do you think that the business is going to last? The flipping business and therein also the hard money business because people need hard money. Mainly investors use hard money and flippers use hard money. You know, consumers just go to the bank and get a loan. Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. You know, hard money is a business unto itself. There's three types of, of loans that typically get made if you want to get into that. But um, hard, hard money, there's always people that need money. And there's always people, for example, I finance a lot of builders, you know, people who are building homes. Um, I also finance guys who are flipping some of the people I've trained even. I think it's a niche business. And, you know, flipping is a niche business. Wholesaling is a niche business. Hard money is a niche business, and depending on the business cycle, I think right now we're coming to the end of a cycle, so we'll probably have a crash. I'm I'm guessing 2016. This is that's this year, probably that's by today. the end of the year. <laughs> that's today, man. That's I think right around November, December when the election happens. Mm, that's when we're gonna see the veil come off the ugly bride that we're all kissing. You know, wow. It's gonna be very interesting to see what happens. But still, I'm gonna position myself down here in Dallas because I think Dallas is one of the best places, and it's a great time to come to America if I'm in Canada because whether there's a crash or not, I can still make a lot of money. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, Stefan, we could talk all day. This is this is really fun stuff. I'm really enjoying myself here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to post on hybendigital.com links to Stefan's books, links to Stefan's website. He's got a bunch of coaching products. You can get in touch with him. I'll put all his contact information on there. If anybody wants to get in touch with him via flipping or just chatting or catching up with him or whatever you need, I'll put his links there. And Stefan, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with just a thought that they could think of after the show is over? They could say, you know, that guy Stefan from Winnipeg taught me this or or used to say this or what have you? Well, I, I always say to my students and people when I'm speaking on stage, I say respect the grind. Mm. And what respect the grind means is it's going to take you 10 years and 10,000 hours to be a master. I've only been in real estate for seven, seven and a half years, so I can't even say I'm a master yet. But uh, anything good takes time and nothing good's easy. That's great, buddy. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Stefan. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this session of Real Estate Rockstars. I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.